Got your Bibles, turn to Habakkuk, or excuse me, turn to Haggai. There's a lot of H's that I get mixed up a lot in. Uh, Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. If you're visiting with us, we are so glad to have you at North, whether that's here in person or online. Uh, I want to let you know things are a little different today. Our Connect cards are on the seats as you came in today. Our bulletins did not happen. The, the printer uh, fritzed out on us, and so, uh, but we've got those Connect cards that are there. Uh, please, if you're visiting, pick one of those up. That is our lifeline to you. We really want to know that you were here. We're not going to embarrass you in any way or make people, you know, come by and, you know, shake your hand and give you COVID and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to do any of that. Um, but we want to be able to follow up with you. And so Will and myself and our staff, uh, we just like to reach out to you to let you know we were appreciative of you being here. Uh, we uh, just touch base with you and basically just try to encourage you in the Lord. Uh, but if you would fill that out, let us know that you were here and then you can drop it on the, in the offering bucket, our touch-free offering uh, as, you, as you leave today. On the right side of the door, there's a bucket there, and that's where uh, you can put that in to let us know that you were here. If you're online, uh, that looks a little different for you. If you'll text the phrase North Connect to 31996, uh, you can be connected to our mobile Connect card. And anything you can do in person on that Connect card, you can do in, uh, in electronic land. All right? Good deal. Haggai chapter 2, we are continuing our third week in this series, Sign Me Up. Sign me up uh, to be a part of what God is doing, whether that looks like leadership, whether that looks like uh, serving in a capacity maybe that you haven't thought about before in the kingdom, in the community, whatever that looks like, uh, we want to encourage you to do that. Uh, You can, we try to make it hard on you, but you can stay at an attender at Lindsay Lane North your whole life if you wanted to. But we believe that God has called you to something greater, called you to another level, and so we want to encourage you in that. Um, I've been told before, right? People have told me before, well, it, it, it's a, it, it, it takes a certain amount of spiritual maturity to say no. I would agree with that. Some... Some of us are real mature. Um, but I would say, what I would say to that is, I believe there is a certain level of spiritual maturity that leads you to say yes. Then there's another level, right? After you're involved with, you got some people doing all kinds of stuff. There's another level of maturity. You can't do it all, right? And there's another level of maturity where you can say no. But at a certain point... You do need to say yes. And so we want to encourage that. And we've been talking about in the, in the book of Haggai, talking about a people that desperately needed people to get on board and get to work doing what God had called them to do. And so the first week, we talked about how priority takes precedent. These are principles. These first four weeks are principles of what it means to be a leader and what it means to be a servant if you are to look at that just some, some rules of thumb that Haggai teaches us. And the first is that what's priority takes precedent. If you do a fantastic job of getting the most important things settled in your mind, settled in your heart, and hey, schedule, settled in your schedule, there's a lot of things that we say are the most important things in our life that our schedules do not reflect. But if you get those things right... Man, God can do so much with those margins that are left over. And so the second week, 
we talked about um, we we talked about how leaders lead the way in Haggai chapter one, the end that Zerubbabel. And Joshua led the way in repentance. We'll see that same cadence happen again in chapter 2. But if there was a theme for chapter 1, it was disinterest. The people of God had misplaced priorities. They were disinterested in building the temple back. It had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, and they were building the temple back, but they lost interest. And so... Haggai chapter 1 is a kick in the pants. Get going. Get building this temple of the Lord. Today, I want to talk to you in Haggai chapter 2 about how the work is worth it. As a leader, as a servant, you need to understand what you invest in the kingdom of God is worth it. Uh, I, I believe once we get to the realization in our life that something is worth it, we will make it a common practice in our life. It is worth my investment. It is worth my energy. It is worth my time. It is worth the difficulty sometimes that come from that. It's worth it to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. And so uh, today we pick up a month after the build, rebuilding project of the temple has begun. Roughly a month. We pick up in the seventh month of the 21st day. What it tells us at the very last of chapter 1, right, is they began to work on the 24th day of the sixth month. So a little less than a month has gone by. The people of Israel have just had a week of festival. They were celebrating, uh, they were celebrating Sukkot, which is the Feast of the Booths, right? They were celebrating God's provision in their life through the wilderness as they were led in tents through the wilderness. They were celebrating the time of harvest as well. This was to be a joyful time. And so we've got three things that we're going to talk about today that are important to understand and remember in kingdom work. Third, God had stirred in Zerubbabel and in Joshua and in all the people. He had begun to stir and revive. But they still had things they need to face. In kingdom work, number one on your notes, in kingdom work, we must deal with discouragement. We must deal with discouragement. I want you to know that in asking you to serve, I am not asking you, I am not calling you to greener pastures in your life. I'm not telling you that if you serve, if you lead, if you, if you get involved, I'm not telling you that things will be easier on you. Right? I, that's not what I'm saying because it's simply not true. Listen what happened in the the context that we read. Haggai chapter 2, after a month of work, listen what it says in verse 1. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel. Here's the cadence. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people. Speak to the leaders first, then speak to the remnant of of the people and say who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory how do you see it now is it not nothing before your eyes what haggai is told to do 
Haggai, we believe to be an old man. Old enough, in fact, that he had survived the 70 years of exile. He had seen the glory and the beauty of Solomon's temple. Right, The nation of Israel, from the time Solomon built it until they went into exile, had a beautiful, ornate building. In fact, scholars uh, figure that in today's money, it would cost about $4 billion to build Solomon's temple today. Um, just an absolutely extravagant building that was the centerpiece of culture and everything that happened in Israel. It was where God resided. And so the Solomon's temple was this beautiful work of art. I mean, it was a wonder of the world. And Haggai had seen that. He had witnessed that. Well, now a month into getting their own materials, the nation of Israel leaving exile, most of them were very poor. Certainly the socioeconomic situation in Israel was very poor and impoverished. And so they just didn't have the money to do all the elaborate things they did before. And so they get all their materials together, but after starting for a month, they're putting up this meager frame of this meager structure that in no way reminded Haggai of the incredible temple that was before. This second temple was going to be far removed, far less extravagant and less beautiful than the second temple. In fact, in Ezra chapter 3, after the temple is built... The young men who had never seen the old temple, they were shouting for joy. Woo, we got the temple. The old men were wailing out loud. They were crying. They were weeping bitterly. And the Bible says that was so confusing, they couldn't tell if people were happy or or sad because they had seen the former glory of the other temple and were comparing it to the very, very meager accommodations of the second. And so they were discouraged. Haggai is dealing head on with the discouragement of the people. The second chapter of Haggai deals with, if the first is is disinterest, the second chapter is about discouragement. It's something we're going to have to deal with as we lead, as we seek to make a difference in the kingdom of God. The people of Israel felt they didn't have a lot to celebrate, right? And celebrating uh, Sukkot, they were celebrating how God had provided a way for them out of Israel, or out of Egypt, how God had led them through the wilderness while they were trusting in Him to provide for them every day. Even the soles of their sandals didn't wear out over the 12 years, over the 40 years they were wandered in the wilderness, right? And so God had provided for them time and time again, but now... What are they going to do? The mindset was, will God even choose to live in a place that looks like this? I mean, in Solomon's day, it looked like a place God lived in. In Babylon, those temples built to their gods, it looked like places that divinity would desire to live. This place, it ain't going to cut the mustard. And they were immediately discouraged. You see... They had fallen into a trap. In your notes, the counterfeit of commission is comparison. The counterfeit of commission is comparison. What were they doing? They were comparing how beautiful Solomon's temple was with how lacking theirs was. They were comparing the two. 
But the reason why that's a trap is because when you compare yourself to others, when you compare things that you're doing to someone else's, you're not getting the whole story. So to illustrate that, I've got a deck of cards here with me. And I I just, listen, I'm your pastor, okay? Uh, My drummer, last service, apparently did not trust that this was not a rigged deck. This is not a rigged deck of cards. And by the way, what I'm about to show you, this illusion is super simple. Why? Because I can do it, right? There's no sleight of hand or anything like that. This is just a normal deck of cards. But I'm going to show you something uh, that paints for us a picture in the danger that is comparison. But to do that, I need a volunteer. So I am sanitizing up so I do not pass along any germs. Because that's the day we live in. Can I get a volunteer? I promise you're not going to do anything embarrassing. So every teenager, you can now, now you can raise your hand because you're not going to do anything embarrassing. I'm just kidding. All right, you going to do it? All right, come on up. All right. State your name for the audience. All right, Miss Ella Baker, we are super glad to have you, Ella. Now, here's the deal. All right, this is a normal deck of cards. All right, and I want you to understand, trust your pastor, like it's a normal deck of cards, okay? And so I'm just shuffling it one time just to prove to you it's not about the order or anything like that. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spread out these cards all over the place. All right? Now, what I want you to do, I believe in you, okay? Did you sanitize? Oh, my gosh. Trying to give me COVID. All right. What I want you to do is I want you to pick for me the queen of spades. Just point to it. Don't grab it. I just want you to pick the queen of spades to me. Just arbitrarily find the queen of spades just by looking at the back of the cards. She's looking at the back of the cards here. All right? Go ahead. Just point to it. Which one do you think it is? You sure? That's amazing. Have you done this before? That's incredible. All right, you're on a roll. I want you to try, see if you can find for me the Jack of Diamonds. Jack of Diamonds. Do it again. You've already done it it once. Let's do it again. See what you got. See what you got. All right, ready? That's absolutely incredible. That's amazing. Gosh, Brett did this earlier. This is unreal. So I'm going to borrow from your... You're, you're on a roll here, so I'm going to borrow from that, and I'm going to pick a card myself, okay? I'm going to pick a card. I'm going to pick the Queen of Diamonds, all right? I'm just going to, dealing with royalty here, I'm going to pick the Queen of Diamonds. Do you all remember the cards that we picked, by the way? All right. All right. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Tell me what was the first card I had you pick. Do you remember? (laughs) It was a queen of spades, right? Queen of spades. What was the second card I had you pick? Don't remember that either. Jack of diamonds. Jack, he's got you back. Jack... Of diamonds. 
And what was the last one that I said that I would find for us? Queen of Diamonds. Queen of Diamonds. All right. Thank you for playing, Ella. I appreciate it, girl. So, y'all know what I did? Any of of y'all got it figured out? Yeah. All right. Here's the deal. This is super... No, we're not going to tell you. What are you. No, I'm kidding. I actually am going to tell you because I can't make my point unless I do. All right? I'm not a magician. I'm not going to make a living doing it. So anybody that I ruin this trick for, I ruin it. All right? These three cards are a great illustration for us about comparison. What we find in comparison is we are always working from behind because we are only seeing what everyone else wants us to see. You, Ella only saw what I wanted her to see. When I started off with this deck of cards, I had memorized the bottom card. It was the Queen of Spades. I, rem- I memorized it. So when I spread all these out, told her to pick the Queen of Spades, I knew where the Queen of Spades was. But she didn't. So she picked the Jack of Diamonds. To which I responded, wow, you're incredible. You found the Queen of Spades. Bending the truth a little. Find the Jack of Diamonds. So she found the Jack of Diamonds that was actually the Queen of Diamonds. And then I went and found the Queen of Diamonds, which was the Queen of Spades. And she saw exactly what I wanted her to to see. Really and truthfully, Ella was one step behind every single time. This is exactly what comparison is. And the reason why I say that comparison is the counterfeit of commission is because God has called every one of us to not satisfy ourselves, but to find satisfaction in Him. Right, And then from that, we are obedient. That obedience flows from our love and our satisfaction from Him. Because the counterfeit of that, you will pursue something in your life. The counterfeit of commission, of being sent by God to do something in this world, the counterfeit of that is to look around and begin to compare yourself and what you have compared to what someone else has. You will pursue, pursue something in your life. The question is, are you going to pursue comparison so you can measure up to someone else or are you pursuing the commission that God has placed in your life to bring life to others? This is the danger of commission because here's what the people of Israel were doing. The people of Israel had completely forgotten people of Israel had completely forgotten that even though Solomon's temple was beautiful, the worship that surrounded that temple was 100% corrupt. It was corrupt. Why did the people get led in, had, got destroyed, and why did they have to go into exile? Because they completely missed worship of God. And so even though it was beautiful, even though it looked amazing, even though people went on trips to see it, the worship that surrounded that temple was completely and totally fraught with sin. They were comparing what they saw on the outward appearance, not comparing the heart. And if Haggai has taught us anything, it is about the heart with God. The counterfeit of commission is comparison. So they were 
chasing the first temple. But God had a message for them. Listen, number two, if we're going to be involved in kingdom work, one, we've got to deal with discouragement. It's going to be discouraging. There will be times you will be discouraged. But secondly, we have to be fueled by faith. Fueled by faith. Listen to what it says in verse 4. Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. Same cadence. Declares the Lord, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to my covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. What is Haggai communicating to the people? The same thing he communicated to them in in chapter 1. If you remember... I am with you, declares the Lord. As I said yes, last week, that our, the, the fact that we have God's presence within us is what qualifies us to do anything for the kingdom of God, right? To lead anything, to serve anywhere in the kingdom of God. It's not our ability, right? It's, it's the fact that God's presence is with us. And so he's reminding them in their discouragement, don't lose heart, Israel. I am with you. In your notes, the promise of God's presence is our only hope for real perseverance. The promise of God's presence is our only hope for real perseverance. Can I just be honest with you? As a leader and a pastor, I mean, even when things are, I look around and things are going well, things are positive. It is easy to get into a mindset where you completely miss God's goodness and God's promises and God's presence in your life because there's a lot of junk that you're dealing with on a daily basis. It's discouragement. It's going to happen. And so for us as leaders, if we were to lead the way that God has called us to lead, we can't be fueled by this discouragement. We can't grow cynical. We can't grow um, uh, angry. We can't grow bitter. We have to live in faith, trusting that God is doing something that we may not see yet. They were afraid that God wouldn't reside in a temple that, would, that looked the way that the second temple was going to look. But God said, Fear not. I am with you. Right? If you're going to persevere, if you're going to make it, right? This is why I'm completely against the idea of we need warm bodies in ministry. I need a warm body to watch kids in ministry. I'm completely against that. Why? Because that's not perseverance. That's not drawing from calling. That's not drawing from the promises of God. There are times when the only thing you will have in ministry is the fact that God called you to it. God called you there. That's why I'm here. Not for anything externally, but I know God's called me to it. That may be all that you ever have. Because things are going to be difficult. I love this. Someone said one time, the only battles worth fighting are uphill. The only battles worth fighting are uphill. Nobody has to, if you don't have to fight for it, it probably ain't worth having, right? that's, That's the way it is. And so if it's worth something, if it's going to be valuable, if it's going to be worth it, you've got to put in the work 
to do it. There was a host of things that Israel could have pointed to and said, this isn't going to work out. Here's the temple. It ain't going to cut the mustard. Here's these people that are persecuting us and cutting us off at every pass. Here's a lack of materials and funding. Here are all these different things. But instead, they lived by faith. There was a host of things. But Haggai struck a chord in proving to them that God, and echoing to them again, God was with them. The Lord of hosts. There's a host of problems, but the Lord of hosts had set up residence in Israel. This was the promise they have. So, So we have to deal with discouragement. We have to be fueled by faith. But third and finally, we have to be gripped by glory. Gripped by glory. Listen to what it says in verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now we see that in a near fulfillment that we're going to talk about in just a second. But this is also dealing with a far fulfillment as well. If you buy into the premillennial system of the end days, right? Uh, this is God restoring Jerusalem, restoring worship in Israel. And so if we believe that that is, uh, that is explicitly what is being said, and it's not an allegory for something else or whatever and how confusing apocalyptic literature can get, if we, but if we take to a premillennial system that God is going to restore Israel, God is going to make them the hub of operations for all ministry uh, during his, the time that he sets up the millennial reign of his son, right? And so, and so there's a far fulfillment, but there's a near fulfillment as well. Listen to what it says in verse 8. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. What's he saying there? Hey, boys, if I wanted the temple to be encased in gold, I'd encase it in gold. Because I own all the silver. I own all the gold. It's all mine. You're so caught up in trying to make an offering, to pretty up your offering to me that you have missed sight of the fact that I own it all. I own every bit of it. And there ain't a piece, there ain't a scrap that you could put on this structure that I don't own. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, I don't need it. I'm not going to base my opinion on how pretty a place looks even though that was the common trend of the day, I'm not going to base my opinion on that. I value something greater. What does he say? The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. Hey, you see that terrible little structure that y'all conspired to build in a month? The glory of that structure will be greater than any structure that could have ever been built by Solomon. This $2 billion structure is going to pale in comparison to the glory that will be in this structure. What does he say? Says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will 
give peace. What's the near fulfillment of that? In your notes, the former temple was glorious for what it had in it. Gold, silver, stones, beautiful, immaculate. What it had in it, what the people had placed on it or in it. The second temple was glorious for who was in it. Israel, you're spending all of your time worrying about the glory that you can bring to my temple. And Israel, it ain't about the amount of glory you can bring. In fact, you have just come from exile. I made sure that you were in a position of humility so that you could hear what's coming next. You've got no glory to bring to this temple. It's meager and it's unextravagant. It is ordinary in every way. But the glory of this temple will surpass the glory of the second because the second was filled with spiritual corruption. It was filled with sin. It was filled with idolatry. It was filled with dirty hands. But I'm going to do something that's going to change the whole game. You want peace? This structure will see peace. You want glory? This structure will see glory. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1. What does it say in verse 14? And we beheld the glory. Jesus was in the second temple. This ordinary structure, Jesus would walk in this temple. Jesus would turn tables over in this temple. Jesus would speak to the religious leaders and the outcasts alike in this temple. And the reason why this temple has peace is because it has the Prince of Peace. What makes it more glorious is not that it's a structure at all. But it's that you were obedient to build it. And obedience is greater than sacrifice. We can spend our whole life trying to bring glory to one aspect of ourself or another. Bringing glory to us through our accomplishments, through our amount of money that we make, through our children that we have, the career we pursue, the sports that they achieve in. Man, we can try to bring glory to ourselves, Or, we can allow God to provide the glory for us. We can allow God to fill us with His glory. And be satisfied. So what about you? What about you in your, in your life? Maybe you've done everything you could think of, read every self-help book in the world. 
but you have come to the end of yourself where you realize that you can't do it on your own, would you respond as the people of Israel did? Would you, in this instance, would you respond? Would you repent? Would you turn from your sin? Would you turn from your lifestyle and your way of living? And would you surrender to Christ and allow him to fill you with his glory? With every head bow and eye closed. Whether you're here in person or you're joining us by live stream. I want to give you the opportunity to respond to Christ today. This is your moment and this is your time. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you desperately need to be filled with the glory of God. More than anything else, you need to know Him as your Lord and Savior. So if you're here and you don't have that relationship with Christ, you can God offers it to you today if you would receive him, if you would turn from your manner of living and you would turn to him and you would surrender your life to him, he will forgive you. If we confess our sins, 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you have been filled with the glory of God, but you continually try to trust your own glory. Would you just repent? Would you just respond? Would you just ask for God to renew your heart and your mind in this? Maybe you want to be a part of what God's doing. Maybe you need to join a church. Maybe you need the accountability that comes with church membership. We would love to talk to you about that, how you can know that you, uh, you have a place to belong, not just in the family of God, but in this local wherever you're at, an invitation's for you. Here's what I'd ask you to do. Whatever decision you need to make on that Connect card, we've got some counselors that are out today, but I believe that God is sovereign over this invitation. So right now, if you need to do business with God and you need to make a decision today, whatever that decision may be, whether you're online or whether you're in person, would you grab a Connect card? You grab one of those connect cards, and at the bottom of that connect card, there's a way for you to mark, I made a decision for Christ. I want to, I want to trust God as my personal Lord and Savior. I want to get baptized. I want to join our church. I want to get involved in a ministry team. Whatever that decision that you need to make, whatever that looks like, God has given you this moment right now, in the quietness of this moment, to respond so I know that's unorthodox and I know that looks strange but would you just do that would you grab that connect card would you mark that box check that box we would love to follow up with you our church leadership would love to follow up with you on how the next steps of obedience from there but would you just do that well, don't let this moment slip by you may think man this is silly this is there's there's nothing to this. He's not calling me to the front. And, and we normally do that. But I believe that God can still use this moment and this time for his glory. Grab that card. Mark the decision that you need to make. And as we leave today, so those are dropping their offering in on the right as they leave. You can put it in as well. You can submit it online, whatever that looks like for you. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, you're with us. You're here in this place right now. Make us good stewards of your presence. Make us 
fill us with your glory. Be with the one, God, that is wrestling right now with a decision they need to make for you. God, I pray that they would do that. I pray that they would respond. And Lord, we just thank you. For your word doing what only your word can do, it can transform us. Thank you for the change you brought about in our lives. Now enlist us in the ministry. God, to share this news with others. We love you and praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray.